Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts chapter 9 as I preach a message entitled The Strategies of God. The Strategies of God. Acts chapter 9, find verse 10. And then we will go to numerous scriptures after that. We do have notes for you. Would encourage you to use those and go ahead and preach it to somebody else. Or remind yourself of the word of the Lord. One of the things my wife and I used to do is, as you're getting to Acts chapter 9 is we would take our notes. This is how I got discipled as I was coming up about 100 years ago. And um, we would take our notes and we would go back over them, you know, at home. And we would look at some of the scriptures and go, what was that? And, and the other thing we would do with notes is we would sit next to each other and we would write love notes on each other's notes. And we still have those. The strategies of God, Acts chapter 9, verse 10. You ready? On your marks? Not that it's a race or anything. Get set. Reading from the New International Version. Go. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying... In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come place his hands on him and restore his sight. Verse 13, Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this terrorist. That's, that's my emphasis right there. About this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority of the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. I'm not sure if he was motivated by that. You know, oh, good, he gets to suffer. Uh, I'm not sure. But verse 8, verse 17. Then Ananias went out of, the, out of the house to enter it and placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. Wow, he got up and was baptized. All right, very good. Go to Acts chapter 10 and find verse 1. That'll be the first verse. That was a joke. Okay. Acts 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, was known as the Italian regiment, and he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously. How did he give? Generously, generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. The King James says, always. Verse 3. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, distinctly saw an angel from God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He's staying there with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called his two servants and devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up. So at the same time they're coming to the house, 
Peter goes up on the roof to pray. He became hungry. That often happens to me when I'm praying. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance and he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And surely not, verse 14, Peter replied, I've not eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice said a second time, verse 15, don't call anything impure that God has called clean. Go now to chapter 13 of that same book, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, sending them off. Last scripture for the main texts that we're looking at, Acts 16, go to verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a Macedonian standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you did in the first service, for what you'll do now. Do now. Come in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Battles are won and lost based on a strategy. If you don't have a good strategy, you're not going to win. I shared in the first service that I had the, the, the great privilege of pastoring Colonel, Colonel Goins a number of years ago from the 425th. He would come, they would drive from Anchorage, and uh, he was a great, a great leader and, and, and a great man, really. And uh, he's now in Washington. I think he's become a general now. I'd, I'd have to check with him, but he went to the Pentagon and has been elevated. And uh, God used him in amazing ways there in Afghanistan. And before they deployed, I remember standing here with him, and some of you were in that service. A number of people from the 425th were here uh, at that time. And in fact, we've got people that are part of the 425th that are part of the church now. He was standing here. He's a big man, about six foot three. He's standing, and he grabbed me by my lapels, and he kind of pulled me close, which made me a little nervous. And he, I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I can't make any mistakes. He said, I can't make any mistakes, Pastor. If I make mistakes, men die. Pray for me. And he had tears in his eyes. I laid hands on him. We all reached our hands out. God touched him. And God gave him strategies throughout that year that they were deployed. And when they were deployed, we had, we had prayer meetings and God would touch people and get words and so on and so forth. One night, I wasn't sleeping too well. The, the Holy Spirit would come and, and still does, comes and interrupts my sleep. How many of you give God permission? You give him your sleep. I, I dare you. I challenge you. When you go to sleep, say, Lord, you can have my sleep too. Do whatever you want with it. And if he wakes you up at three to, pre to, to, to preach, <laughs> then, then you ought to preach. If he wakes you up at three to pray for somebody, you ought to do it. Just give him, give him your sleep too. I said, Lord, you can give me dreams. You can speak to me. So that night, I couldn't sleep too well. I think it was about three in the morning, and I, I just was praying for him and praying for the 425th. And I got up, and I went to my computer, and the Lord had given me a word out of, out of Joshua and uh, about Joshua and the captain of the host standing before Joshua. And the strategy 
that God gave Joshua on how to take Jericho. And so I'm praying for him, and my Skype phone rings on my computer. Now, I didn't know that I'd left it logged on, but it was logged on and logged in, or however you want to say it. My Skype phone rings, and it's Colonel Goins in Afghanistan. So I'm like, oh, whoa. I answer. He says, sir, what are you doing up? I said, I'm praying for you. He said, I need a word from God. He was mincing no words. It wasn't like, oh, how's the wife? How's the kids? Everything good? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. How's the food in Afghanistan? There was none of that. It was all, I need a word from God, Pastor. I said, I have one. I'm up praying for you right now. It's right, right in front of me. And I, I mean, there was a real unction of the Spirit. I remember standing up, and I gave him the word. And there was this moment of real authority and power and strategy. He said, thank you, sir. And then click. I mean, he didn't even say goodbye. It was just like kind of rude. <laughs> He's gone. When he came back some six months later, we had lunch and met together. And he said, do you remember that night? I said, yeah. He said, do you know that I can't tell you what God did through that night, but you read some about it in newspapers. And the other part I can't tell you. And he said, that was one of the most profound times. And I thought, my goodness, the strategy of God. God has a strategy for our state. God has a strategy for your family. God has a strategy for your marriage. God has a strategy for your teenager. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. God has a strategy to raise those beautiful world changers. God has a strategy for this church. God has a strategy for the body of Christ. God has a way and that, that is, is right and good and just and pure. And, and God wants to give it to you. And you look through history in our own history in the United States, you see men of God that would call on God, receive strategy, and then break through. General George Washington, you may have heard of him, the crossing of the Delaware. They were surrounded. There was no hope. 20,000 men against him. I think he had 8,000, if, if my history is correct. And he had nowhere to go. And it is said that he went out in the woods and he prayed and he took a knee. And there's an artist rendition of General George Washington on a knee in the woods praying. And then the crossing of the Delaware took place that, that night. And if you look at some of the renditions of that painting, there's one with in the background of the birchwood trees, which I like because it reminds me of Alaska, you can see a man's face hiding behind a tree. That was a man that was not loyal to the, the revolution. He was, a, he was a, a, a supporter of the, of the king. And it is said that when that man returned back to his home to talk to his wife, he said, we've lost, that England's going to lose because any man that knows God like that will have victory. Listen, God wants to give you strategy. God's plan is to give you victory. I read the back of the book. We won already. He wants to give you strategy. He wants to give you victory. God wants to bring about his plan for you, for me, for our marriages, for our children, for our families, for the church, for the body of Christ, the United States of America, for every nation, every tribe, every tongue. He has a strategy for reaching the lost at any cost. He's got a plan, the master plan of God. So God will quicken your mind to receive strategy. And I believe that General George Washington was quickened by the Lord on what to do. And if you read history, you'll find that General George Washington got in boats and, and a fog moved in and covered their escape as 8,000 men moved across to Delaware and escaped. They, they, eminent destruction. 
England, the general said, well, we'll just wait till the morning and then we'll crush them. Oh, but joy comes in the morning. They, they came across Delaware. The amazing thing is we serve a God who speaks. You know, God is a speaking God and he wants to speak to you and he wants to give strategy here in the introduction of my sermon to you this morning. He's got a strategy. It amazes me as the positioning of, I mean, I could go on to tell you all the story and uh, but many of you know it, about our property and how God gave it back to us and how we've been contending like, like a heavyweight contender for this building to be done. But obstacle after obstacle and victory after victory. One of the things that's encouraged me over these past uh, couple years that we've been believing to get started, and we have started, and we've done what we could, and, but we've been needing a loan and so on and so forth. And I had bankers laugh at me, and, and we laughed back. And I'll really be laughing when we have our grand opening. I'm just telling you. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Amen. God had another way, and I'm so thankful because we saved many percentage points by not getting a, a, a loan from local banks that said, come up with 50%. It was one praise God. Was that was it you? God bless you. Give me some skin. Amen. Come on, God's got a plan. He's got a strategy. And at every turn for us here at KC, we've had to contend for that. I've had to contend for that for my kids. You're going to have to contend for it for your business, for what God's called you to do. Listen, God has a, God has a strategy, a plan for you, but you're going to have to seek him for it. And he speaks. One of the things that encouraged me uh, in the preparation of this is that in the Old Testament, prophet kings and priests were anointed, but not in the New Testament. In the New Testament, God comes and lives inside of your heart and my heart. He doesn't live in a temple made by hands. He comes to live inside your heart and my heart. That temple veil, as thick as a man's hand, was ripped from the top to the bottom, signifying that the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell between the cherubim anymore. He comes to live on the inside of you. He comes to live on the inside of me, that we are his house, that we are his temple, that God speaks to me because I'm his sheep. His sheep know and hear his voice. So God gives a plan and then he speaks to you in the midst of it. And, and I need to say this, it's progressive. I didn't say that in the first service. We call it progressive apostolic vision. God will give strategy for the vision for that moment. Then things change. You gotta keep hearing them. You gotta keep praying. You gotta continually get orders from your commander in chief as the strategy changes. And you'll see that throughout scripture as well. Let's look at these texts. In Acts 9, we see Jesus reveals himself to Saul, who's later called Paul. He's got authority of the chief priests to go and persecute the church. He thinks he's just doing God a favor. Little did he know he's persecuting the church. And as he's on the way, a blinding light shines round about him and he hears a voice and he's on the ground and he, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now think about this for a second. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? I'm Jesus. So he's going from, he's going from city to city to persecute the church. Listen, don't you ever speak against the body of Christ because when you do it, you're speaking against Jesus himself. It's his bride. Don't talk about don't talk about my wife. You know what I'm talking about? Don't talk. Don't. All the ladies said, amen. Don't talk about his bride. It's his bride. It's his job, right? I'm, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. He's persecuting the church. And in persecuting the church, he's persecuting his body. We love the body of Christ. It's so important to get that. 
And he is blind for three days. He's led by the hand to Damascus. And he's there, and God speaks to Ananias. You never hear of him after this. He's only mentioned once. Ananias, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, has a vision in his prayer time. And God speaks to him. And I love this because can you imagine how much faith he had to have and a confident assurance of the voice of the Lord? Because God comes and speaks to him and says, Ananias, Osama bin Laden is just down the street. Ananias, the number one Christian killer. I don't know who the number one terrorist is right now, but I mean, the number one Christian persecutor is just down the street. So would you just go and talk to him? His name is Saul. Um, excuse me, Lord. Um, now, this has got to be the devil. In fact, you're trying to kill me. I bind you in Jesus' name. I, take, I bind you right now. That's not God. God wouldn't send me into the lion's den, would he? He would if he can trust you. And he could trust Ananias, and Ananias went. And it's kind of amazing that, that Paul, Saul, later is called, he's called Paul, that's his Greek name, Saul has this vision and gets a name. And this guy, Ananias. So when Ananias comes in and says, what's up, I'm Ananias. He's like, I knew you were coming. By the way, I'm blind. You're going to lay hands on me and do something. I'm going to receive something, something. He lays hands on him and he receives the Holy Spirit and he's healed. And, and, and God reveals his purpose for Saul. He reveals his purpose uh, there in Acts 9. Uh, to, you know, I've, you're going to be my chosen vessel. He reveals it to Ananias. He reveals it to, to Saul, later called Paul. He res- in, in Acts 26, you see him telling his testimony, and we see that Paul has been given a strategy. Paul has been given a call of what to do to reach the Gentiles, to turn them from the darkness of, of the power of darkness to the power of God. He gives his strategy. The second text we read is Acts chapter 13. The church is started in Antioch, and it's to reach the Gentiles. Write that in your notes. Barnabas gets Saul to come and to help the work in Antioch. And the Holy Spirit calls them to establish churches throughout all of Galatia. Acts 16 we looked at. And these are all texts talking about the strategy of God. God has a strategy for me. Say it. God has a strategy for me. So Acts 16, he's now called Paul. We know him as the Apostle Paul. And he wants to go preach church, to preach and, and, and do a missionary journey to Asia. We now know that as modern-day Turkey. When you say Asia, it's not like China. It's near Asia. And he wants to go plant churches, but the Holy Spirit says no. And that, that, that's, I love that scripture. Because everything is right about it. Here's people that don't know Jesus. They haven't been preached to. The gospel's not preached. He's called to preach. There's Gentiles there. I mean, there's like every component of it being right except one thing. God said no. And so he wants to go where the Holy Spirit says no. So they're praying and they wait and he has a vision of a Macedonian man. There's a man from Macedonia appears to him, and, and we, we looked at that, and he invites him to come. And this text reminds me of uh, uh, some history in my family. My, uh, I don't know how many generations back, but it was early 1800s, late 1700s. Uh, on my mother's side, there was a whole bunch of pastors and preachers, and there was a pastor, he pastored a church, last name was McCall, in England for 40 years. So he's in his 60s, when he takes a vacation to Paris 
And while he's in Paris, they're so burdened by the, the, the bourgeoisie class, is what they would call them back then. The blue-collar workers had no, had, did not have Christ. And, and nobody was witnessing, and there was no move of God there. So they began street witnessing. Street witnessing in the 17... You've got to be on fire to street witness in the 1700s. Street witnessing there and began to lead people to Jesus. And a man was so impacted by the gospel that he pleaded with this man, this pastor McCall, and said, please, please come back. Well, he finished his vacation and he went back home to England and it was like a Macedonian man to him, constantly appearing. God had a strategy in France to plant churches all over France. And here's what they did. He couldn't even pastor anymore. He was so burdened after 40 years. He turned the church over, got his wife, they packed their bags and left their ministry and moved to, moved to Paris. And while in Paris, God gave him a strategy to take boats and go through the canals and plant churches all over Paris and they, all over France. And they planted 173 churches with a strategy from God. It was an apostolic work and it was called the, the McCall Missionary Society and they planted churches all over. They're, they're not in existence anymore. They must not have raised up people to take over which is a common mistake for many. But God has a strategy to take, God has a strategy for France now. God has a strategy for, for Alaska. Carrying the cure is one of them. It's one of them. God has a strategy to touch America. Just like God had a strategy for General George Washington, God has a strategy for his generals in this hour to release an anointing, to release even a mantle of evangelism. There is a burden that's beginning to to overtake the body of Christ, beginning to overtake people. It is not business as usual. We need a strategy of how to reach the lost and not just reach them. I love what Brother Bill said, not just reach them, but equip them to see their lives transformed. It's not enough just to pray the sinner's prayer. you got to find out, oh, it's enough to get to heaven. Don't look at me with that religious tone of voice. It's enough to make it to heaven. Yes, but if you were just supposed to go to heaven, you'd drop dead the second you prayed the sinner's prayer. So he leaves you here. Why? So you can become big and strong. Walk in authority and the love of God and preach the gospel of the kingdom with signs and wonders following. God wants to raise you up. He has a strategy to reach the nations. He has a strategy to reach Alaska. He's got a strategy to reach the nations of the earth. He has a strategy for your family, a strategy for your marriage, a strategy for your kids. God is a master strategist. Can you say amen? And the Apostle Paul is stopped by the Holy Spirit. And while in Troas, he has this vision of the Macedonian man, and he obeys. Now, what's amazing to me is this. What's amazing to me is this. Is that had he not been delayed, has anybody really, has anybody really you know, wanted to move forward? You know what God's will is. So he sensed, man, I've got I've to go preach the, preach the gospel there. But then the Lord says, no. I heard somebody say, you know, God doesn't always answer prayer. Yes, he does. It's no. That's an answer. You don't like it. Neither does your four-year-old when you tell him no. But how many of you know God wants to tell you no sometimes? No, that's an answer. Yes is an answer. We like yes. Lord, would you? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. We like that because we like McDonald's, instant, fast stuff, and we want it right away. And wait. Wait's another answer. 
I don't really like that one either. But I've learned. You know, God, when are you going to help me? He says, just a second. Of course, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years are like a day. So a second, you do the math on that. Paul is led by a vision to Macedonia. He wanted to go to Ephesus, which is where he eventually goes. And you read about it in the Bible. But he's first led to a place called Philippi. And in Philippi, he leads people to Christ and he builds a church in Philippi. And you read in your Bible, the church is the, the letters written to Philippians is the letter to Philippi, the church of Philippi. And you can read all about that and some of the challenges and problems they have. So it's there in Philippi. Then you read through Acts and read through some of his letters. The church of Philippi funded Paul, supported Paul more than any other church gave generously and he would receive offerings from them. And because of their funding of his missionary journeys, he was able to go to Corinth. And in Corinth, he picked up some leaders, Priscilla and Aquila, who taught Apollos more accurately. The great orator Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila were business people. And he began to amass around himself, I could use that word, an apostolic team. And because of that team, because of the funding, because of the support, he was then able to go to Ephesus at the right time. And when he went there, he had a great revival. And you read about the seven churches of Ephesus that John the Revelator eventually became the bishop over a pastor. You could pastor, bishop, overseer over those seven churches. That's why the revelation was given to him over the seven churches there in the book of Revelation. Those churches wouldn't be there Hadn't Paul heard no from the Holy Spirit, God has a strategy. God has a strategy throughout Scripture. You'll see it. You know, the other thing that's interesting, if you read about Peter and where he was ministering, he writes to, to the, those in Bithynia. That is where the Apostle Paul was going to go. But when the, whole, when the Lord, Holy Spirit said no, could it be that he did, the, the Holy Spirit didn't want the Apostle Paul and Peter to mess up each other and cross over each other? He was efficient. Without email, without any phones, the Holy Spirit spoke and directed everything. And Paul wouldn't, didn't want to build on another man's foundation. All right, we see God as a master strategist. Look at your notes. He calls Saul, who's later called Paul, to reach to Gentile churches. And this is just a quick review. He sends Peter to minister to a Gentile home, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's just, like, amazing. I mean, God would speak to Peter and, and God would speak to, to Cornelius, and, and, and together they'd come together. Peter had to overcome a very serious roadblock. See, in their mind, there's no way you can even go into a Gentile home. You cannot go into a Gentile home. They were unclear about how they're going to reach it. How's this even going to happen? And God speaks to him and says, you're going to eat pork. I mean, it's basically what he said. Amen. You're going to have some pulled pork over at Corn's house. You'll get that on the way home or something. And so he, so he goes, and while he's preaching to Gentiles, the Holy Spirit falls. God has a strategy. I love how we're planting churches in nursing homes. You know, this, is, this nursing home church thing has spread through KC. Other churches, we have 163 churches now, and they're planting churches in nursing homes everywhere that we have a KC. Well, not everywhere, but it's, it's begun. How did that happen? I'm on my 
cell phone talking to my mama who is then living in Florida. And she says to me, as I'm passing Primrose, you need to get in the nursing homes because those people have one foot on a banana peel and one in the, and one in the earth. They need to get saved. You need to make sure, I mean, they're dying and they need the Lord and many of them don't know Christ. So Tammy Lanaville, and I shared this in the first service, but Tammy Lanaville got a job at Primrose. And I think you worked there for about a month or so, two months, one month. During the, to the day, a 30-day job. However, during that 30-day job, she met the decision makers, got me a meeting with them. I got in, met with them, sat down, and we said, we want to have church service here. Would that be okay? And they said, well, um, yes, we have a chapel. And now you're from the church on the corner, right? I mean, this is exactly what happened. I said, yeah, 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 we are. Uh, uh, and, I, and, you know, you can tell what some people are thinking. Oh, he's going to swing from the chandelier and pray in tongues and they're just going to raise the dead and freak everybody out. You know, I said, we can, we can, we can bring it on the low, low. You know, we, we, we'll, we won't swing from chandeliers and stuff. I'll never forget that first service. We went in. There was about three or four people from the, from the nursing home there, from the retirement community. Tammy Lanaville was there and some of our other folks were there too. And Minister Carol and we're, we're there. And I shared, I can't remember what I preached. I think I preached on Anna. How many of you know who Anna was? She, was? she was fasting and praying and in the temple since she was a young girl and she was, she was elderly and God used her to acknowledge the Messiah. And so I preached this message and I, I didn't even raise my voice. I mean, I, I just stayed really like vanilla, as vanilla as I could. I didn't want to hurt it. I'm like, with foot's in the door, we're going to be not even going to behave ourselves. The power and the presence of God fell and these people were weeping. I think one was a former pastor. They're weeping under the presence of God. And all we could just do is like, well, I had nothing to do with that. The Holy Spirit really fell on them in a marvelous way. And I even think one person was praying in the Spirit. It was a beautiful thing. That's what happened. Can you imagine? Can you imagine preaching to a people that have never been reached and all of a sudden fire falls and just like at the 120 in the upper room, they all start praying in tongues. Wow. Gentile churches started in Antioch. So God has a strategy, and I believe that God is speaking to us. Oh, let me give you this last point. Uh, the greatest revival among the Gentiles was in Ephesus. I'm on D right there. The greatest revival was in Ephesus. But it never would have happened had, had the Apostle Paul not followed the strategy. So God's speaking to us very simply. God knows us, has a purpose Hallelujah. for us and in his time. The deist would say that that that. They believe in God as a creator, but believe in God as a creator that's outside of time, like a watchmaker, like a clockmaker. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible makes, made everything, spoke it, brought it into existence, breathed breath into, your, into the nostrils of man, made in God's image, and yet he's, he's active and involved in the details of mankind and creation. Amen. He's not separate or, or removed from it. That's the God of the Bible. And so God has a strategy for you, and he has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your life. I, I wrestled with the Lord. I like saying it that way. I'm sure he's trying to speak to me, but I was having a hard time listening. I don't know what the issue was, but I was praying. I couldn't, I'm, I've got a number of series that I'm working on to bring to us, to, to move us forward as God has directed me, but I'm not, I'm not to start those yet. So I'm, I'm in these, this, this moment of of some special words from the Lord and special messages prior to moving into those series. And so I knew he wanted to say something, but I, I had these, I, it's kind of like a turkey popper. Anybody know what, don't cook a turkey according to the turkey popper, by the way, because you'll ruin it. 
little key on all you turkey cookers that cook them so dry, tastes like wood. You pull it out a little bit, you pull it out about an hour early, and you cover it with tin foil and put a towel over it and let it finish cooking outside the oven. Thank you, Pastor Graham. <laughs> but for me, in, in, in preparing to bring you fresh, what I hope to be fresh manna, is, is I got to feel it. Something turns in me. I can feel it. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a turkey popper. I, just feel, I feel fire. So it moves me. It moves, it moves the needle. Does that make sense? And so this message, I, I had some other things. It just wasn't moving. And I'm, I, I was so struggling about 1130. I'm like, man, I got to get up at five. It's 1130. This doesn't work. So midnight and we're, I'm, I'm still, I'm now lying in bed. I'm like, give me a dream. Just, just give me a dream. Give me a dream. Speak to me. I give up because I got nothing. Not, no turkey, no pop. It's going up. No, no fire on anything. I go to sleep and I have a dream and I wake up and something's different. And I, I pace back and forth and I had this amazing dream which I shared with Pastor Robert and it's, it's, uh, it was encouraging to him, encouraging to me. Walked back and forth and I began to get the word of the Lord about strategy and God began to speak to me and that's how, you, that's how you, I got this and, and give this to you. You know, God knows me is what I was encouraged by. It's like, son, I know you. And I know how to get you out of the way so you can hear my voice. And God, God speaks very differently to me than, than maybe he does to you. I mean, the wind blows and, and I, I get something. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a feeler sort of type person. I'm not, I'm not real um, heady. I'm not an intellectual type. I, I'm just not wired up that way. I'm, I could hardly spell and I'm all right with that. I figure that's why God gave me secretaries. I know I'm okay with that. I'm, and, and God gave me a wife that's like an editor. So she can edit all my stuff. And hopefully there's no mistakes in your notes today. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying that God knows you. He knows how to speak to you. He knows how to give you strategy. And he wants to. And though we're inside time, he's outside time, yet he's involved intimately in the details. And, and we're at war. Look at B. We're at war, desperately needing God's strategy. You need, you need his strategy. You need his strategy. And so God's strategies for life, we got to position ourselves to receive them. you got to be like Cornelius. you got to be like Cornelius. He was devoted. He was what? He was devoted. He was a giver. He prayed. Be like that. Be devoted to God. Be devoted to his word. Be devoted to your wife, to your husband. Be devoted to your kids. Be devoted to that which God, which concerns God. Be devoted. Keep your word. Be a giver. Be a tither. Be a person that prays. How's God supposed to speak to you if you never have time to pray? He said, well, I'm too busy. If you're too busy, you're too busy. Corey Ten Boom said, beware the barrenness of a busy life. You can be so busy that you miss God's strategies. He's trying to speak to you, but you're like too busy. I've done that. Run around ministry, 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 ministry. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? You know, you can minister with an anointing or without one. Without one, not much gets done. Apart from me, John 15 says this. I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. I know a little bit of Spanish, nada. That means zero. So that means if you're not co-laboring with him, your efforts will be zero. Uh, we've got to be devoted. We've got to be a giver. Ananias, got to be like him. We, he obeyed. He obeyed. 
And I have had times where I didn't really want to obey, that everything within me wanted to do something else, but the Holy Spirit, that still small voice, would say, Don't, you're not doing that. We live our lives that way by going by the peace of God, letting the peace of God rule our hearts and rule our mind, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and petition, make a request known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Some of you just, just, I mean, worry fundamentally is sin. I know you might not like that for some of you worry warts out there, but you wringing your hands and worrying about stuff is fundamentally sin. You need to, we need to learn to trust God and to cast your cares on Him for He cares for you. And you can wring your hands and worry. Some of you worry about stuff that didn't even happen. I mean, you're, you're like, it's like faith in reverse. It's like, it's like you, you, listen, fears will magnify your molehills and make them mountains. Your fears will magnify your negatives and, and, and develop them into real pictures. You're the prophet over your own life. You want to think about how sick you're going to be? I love my father-in-law. He's in heaven. But the truth is, and, and my wife and I, her dad, we've talked about this. Yeah. He just said over and over, by the time I'm 60, I'm going to be dead. We'd say, stop it. Stop saying that. Well, guess what happened? He was dead by the time he was 60. Listen, God, begin to put God in a place of, of honor and realize how important and powerful you are in God. And when he speaks to you, for the love of God, obey. You never would see a Jericho taken if they didn't, you know, do the Jericho thing. I mean, how much sense does that make? Reason is the guillotine of your faith. Say that. Reason is the guillotine of your faith. And there are some new strategies that I'm giving you, says the Lord. And I've been showing you some things. There's even books that are swirling, new songs that are coming. There's a new strategy. I see a new strategy. It's like I see you standing there, and you truly are one of the generals that are among us in this state. And part of the strategy is I see Timothy's coming alongside you. And I, some sort of a school type of a thing, I see a, an impartation and a training that you're bringing. I don't mean about drums. I mean about that apostolic anointing that's upon your life. Well, it might include drums. I see, I see God using you to pour into Timothy's. There are those that are connecting to you in villages that have a great call of God. And you really are like a prophetic voice in this land. And you're not to shrink back from it. For as you prophesy, the building of God's house will prosper, even as it did under Zechariah and Haggai. I'm using you to call your people out of obscurity. I'm using your people to, I'm using you to call your people out of darkness and into the light, but not just in a regular Christian way. The fire of God is upon you, and you're going to find yourself preaching and prophesying out of a saturation that you have never known. In some of the hikes and the different things that you've been doing, there's been pieces that are beginning to lock together. It's like a master puzzle. It's like a master strategist. I see you standing with like a clipboard in your hand and just beginning to write down some of these things. And God's, God's given it through the AK one day and different things like that. But there's more, there's more, there's more. And you're to position yourself. There's some things that he wants you to cut off and separate from. Even some, I'm, I'm already started to say, I'm just going to say it. So you weigh it. 
brother. There's even some relationships that are sort of holding you back from that which God has in the fullness of it. You're filled with grace and filled with humility. And it's one of the greatest things I love about you. You're anointed, but there's a lot of anointed people. I love your humility and, and your marriage and your beautiful family and how, how, you, how you walk humbly before the Lord. You have suffered and through suffering, God has produced a Christ-likeness in you. And I see that mantle, not that you're going anywhere, but I see that being multiplied even to other sons and daughters that are around the state. Look for it. I'm going to release the strategy. I see it again, a school sort of thing, an impartation and others rising. Lord, do it. Raise up mighty ones among every tribe in Alaska. Raise up mighty ones, God. Thank you for every nation and, and, and tribe and tongue that's represented. Lord, thank you. But from this land, raise a people from the land. Others too, yes. Lord, we thank you for it. Amen. Says the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ananias obeyed. See, seek God's strategy. That's what Paul did. And God spoke to him. B, D, be open to receive a word from the Lord. Like Paul and Barnabas. Read God's written word. Read his word. Read his word. Memorize it. Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Many times I'll read the word and it just jump off the pages at me. What am I, a dream and a vision? It's in Scripture how to have a healthy marriage. You don't have to have an angel come. You have the Word of God. How does a young man keep his way pure? Well, we'd like to know that in this perverted, polluted, defiled culture. Who will ascend the, 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 who will ascend the, the hill of the Lord? He who has a clean hands and a pure heart. Listen, the Word of God will teach you how to live pure, live clean, live free, live undefiled. The, the Word of God will teach you how to overcome darkness, how to take authority over the enemy. The Word of God will teach you how to take your arrows and strike them to the ground to see the plan of God, a strategy of God released. But if you don't know the Word, you don't spend time in the Word, it's going to be tough. you got to seek Him. Come on, somebody say amen. God can give you revelation, dreams, visions. Be sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to His voice. Be open to counsel and be in agreement. I have a multitude of counselors. You know, honestly, some of you need to hear this. When we make decisions around here, this might sound arrogant, it's not, it's just math. When we make decisions around here, major decisions about buildings, properties, major things. Listen, if you make a mistake in that, you're not going to have a church. You'll get destroyed. You know that. You understand that, right? Right? The reason there's such blessing on what we're doing, one of the reasons, it's, well, the number one reason is prayer. Okay, I'll just tell you. That's, that's number one. That is, what, that is the backbone of everything we do. Don't miss it. Prayer. But another thing is counsel. When we make major decisions, it's math. It's not arrogance, and I'm not being, it's not hyperbole. Hundreds of years of ministry experience. Hundreds. Yeah, so I'm bringing my little 20-something years 
and we have a team of people that brings hundreds of years of ministry experience. And guess what? God's word goes forth. It doesn't return void. And the principles of God's word work. And if you stick to the principles, you'll get God-like results. And that's just how that is. That's how that is. Somebody said, well, how did you get that property back and, and make $3 million overnight and now it's worth $10 million? How did you do that? God. We prayed and tried to obey. That's what Dr. Yonggi Cho says. Pray, I pray, and obey. How did you build the largest church in the world, Dr. Yonggi Cho? We pray, we pray, we obey. Pretty simple. Pray and obey. Lou Ingle says, do the dream. He prays, he gets dreams, he does the dreams, he gets results. God has a strategy. Say it with me. God has a strategy. But counsel and agreement. If you're not in agreement, don't do it. We do everything out of agreement. Married couples don't do anything without being in agreement. Six. God can lead through circumstances. Doors can be closed. And you pray your ears off and the door doesn't open. You give. You fast. You pray. The doors are still closed. You just, then, then the door is closed. You bind. You loose. The door is still closed. And the timing's wrong. You sense it's the enemy. You take authority over him. You take authority over him and you command him to lose his hold and the door's still closed. Maybe it's not the enemy. Maybe it's God. Pretty hard to push a door open that God has his little finger on. Circumstances. Red light means stop. Yellow light means accelerate. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. Yeah. Woo. But it's supposed to mean caution. I have caution while I'm accelerating. Anyway, green means go, right? Circumstances can lead you. But don't just let circumstances be it. And lastly, he can lead us without us knowing it. And I'll be, I'll be honestly, honest, honestly. That's probably like the number one for me. He can lead us without us ever knowing one thing. And that has been the number one way that God has led me over the years. I'm just like a little infant. I can't, who could take credit for like, you just felt like going left and then you wound up meeting somebody. And then who could take credit for that? The, our purchasing of our property. And maybe you heard this before, Bill, but I just love telling it. I'm almost done. You know, we came out of the movie, The, the Son of God. That was about three years ago, this April, I think. And um, maybe it's four years ago. And my son's like, Dad, let's go to the old church property. Well, it was, it was owned by another, it was owned by a corporation. It had nothing happened there for 10 years. We sold it 10 years, 11 years before that, something like that, for 3.5 million. And used it to purchase this building and used the rest of the money to fund some of our other projects. Dad, let's go to our old church property. I'm like, no, let's not. It's Monday and pastors are zombies on Monday. So um, at least this one is. You don't want counsel for me on Monday. I will direct you to somebody else. Might not answer my, if somebody's dying, we're gonna help you, but I'm just saying. Monday's not my greatest day. We work six days a week. Monday's like tomorrow. And so, you know, just wanted to see a movie and just go, you know, all zombie status back to my house and take a nap. You know, no, let's go to the old church property. I'm like, no, let's not. I think that's what I said. He said, no, let's go. And everybody in the cars and in the trucks is in agreement. Yo, let's go to the church property. I'm like, what? So I looked at Daniel and, I, and he's 10 years old or whatever. 11, 10, 11. I said, how come? He says, I don't know. I said, okay. And I'm, I can tell he's moved. Like I can tell he's moved. And I thought, oh, some of you heard this already, but I've been like, all right. 
we'll go to the old church property. We roll on, God's power falls on me the second I get out of the truck. I mean, like God's presence, boom. I just thought, whoa, Lord, a little resident anointing because we had church up there all those years. And everything's dilapidated. The weeds are this high. There's the, the barn is blown out. All the windows are blown out, tagged with graffiti. It's up to your calf and building debris and, and five-gallon buckets of hydraulic fluid. The place is hammered. It was grievous to walk through there, people sleeping there, doing all kinds of stuff, curse words all over the barn on the inside. Stood there and I thought, wow, this place is wasted. It was unlocked, we walked in. I stood there and showed Daniel and Hannah. Karen was in the truck. I showed them, I said, well, the soundboard was over there. I said, there's about 100 chairs in here and they kind of went like this. And I, and I said, and right about, right about here was the pulpit. I stood there and I was overwhelmed because I realized, honestly, we shouldn't even have a church. If some of you know the detailed history, we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for God. And I sat there, I went, oh God, you're amazing. I love Alaska, you called me here. I was like, Lord, you're awesome. Thank you for what you're doing in the church. And I just lifted my hands and, and the Lord spoke to me. I, I started praying, he said, oh God, thank you for, and he said, I'm giving you the property back. I said, that's impossible. And I said to the kids right then, I said, the Lord just spoke to me and said, he's given, me the pro given us the property back. And they were like, oh, cool, as they kick a bucket, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, cool. It was for sale for four million. So we went out, I told Karen, I got on my phone, I called a real estate guy in our church, John Paletti, some of you know him. I said, man, here's what the Lord just told me. He said, he's given us a property back. He said, well, I'll call on it. He called on it. It had just gone back to the bank. Like, like right then. I, and he says, you wouldn't believe it. I said, don't tell me. He said, it just went back to the bank. All they want is a million dollars. Oh my God, oh my God. I, I, I got hung up on him. Called, our, uh, called Dr. Morocco immediately. I said, Dr. Morocco, you're never going to believe what happened. And I told him the whole story, blah, 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 blah. And they want a million dollars. He said, oh God, put an offer in. Put an offer in. He's yelling at me. And he's yelled at me about three times. This was the third time. The other times, it wasn't so good. <laughs> put an offer in, put an offer in. I said, okay, okay. And I hung up and we put an offer in. We own that. Do you know that when we bought it, we made three million the day that we bought it. And now it's worth 10. Someone said it's worth 10. Come on, somebody. God's got a strategy. God has a plan. God knows how to do it. And you cannot even know what's going on. Just love him and just walk like a little infant. Try to obey him. If the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Come on, God's got a strategy. Lift your hands to heaven because that's where the strategy comes from. Lord, release strategy to us as you have. We acknowledge today, as the people of King's Cathedral and Chapels here in Alaska, we acknowledge today that you are the one that has spoken. You are the one that has led us. You are the one that has guided us. This is your work, and you are responsible for it. And we keep ourselves humbly under your mighty hand today and say, God, let everything come together exactly like you've designed it. Lord, as, uh, as the money's released out of escrow, Lord, as steel prices and the prices of steel and everything, Lord, you see it all. 
bring about your strategy and not one devil in hell can stop what you want to do. The kingdom of God will advance with violence. Lord, we declare it. We proclaim it. We bind every assignment of the enemy off our project, off of, off of steel prices and the timing of that. Every hindrance be broken now, Lord, not only over our church, but over our families, over our children, over our marriages, over our businesses. Oh God, we pray now, release your strategies. Come on, you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit. Go ahead. As you did, Lord, for the Apostle Paul. As you did, as you did for, for Barnabas. As you did, Lord, for Peter. When the fullness of time had come. What does that tell you? That tells you that God had a strategy. When the fullness of time came and the road systems were in place from the Roman Empire, the gospel came and went through the road system and went all over the known world in the fullness of time. Perfect timing. God is the master strategist. Trust Him and lean on. Ask Him. Release strategy. Come on, say it. Release strategy for me, for us, for our families to fulfill purpose. That, Lord, when it's done, we'd stand before you and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We thank you. And we praise you for it. Every lie, everything that would hinder, be broken. In the name of Jesus. Ushers, would you come? We're going to receive communion. Just stay in that place of reverence before the Lord. I, I remember hearing a story of, a, of a, a woman whose husband wasn't saved. And God spoke to her to take oil and grease all of his shoes inside. She put some oil on her hands and she put her her hands inside his shoes and rubbed it into the ball of the shoe leather on the inside of his work boots. And every day he put, those, he put those boots on. She knew that he was putting, go ahead, guys. She put those, he would put those boots on and know that the anointing oil the she, that would be like the Holy Spirit would just begin to come on him. And, you know, that began to happen. He's saved today. I've heard other stories of, of mean-spirited people having oil put on their pillow. Some of you ought to try that. Hmm, that's a good idea. Some of you ought to put oil on your own pillow. You mean thing. God can give a strategy. God, God can release strategy. There was a young girl that I saw on The Voice. I saw this little clip. I don't even know how I want her. It's not like I'm a follower of The Voice or anything, but I saw this little clip. She was deaf. But she lost her hearing when she was 11. And so she's on the voice, going to sing a song that she wrote. How does a deaf person do that? She can feel the music through her feet and the beat through her feet. And she practiced singing and the vibration. She was able to train her vocal cords even though she couldn't hear one thing. God gave her a strategy. Listen, I don't know what you're facing today, but I know God's got a way through it. And it might seem impossible. I mean, how does a, how does a deaf person sing? 
God's got a way. Come on, God has a way. God has a way for the finances. God has a way for the court case. Oh, oh, oh another story. Good friend of ours, Lana Cross. They, 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 they owned a water company and they sold the, they were in the process of selling the water company to one of their longtime employees who got greedy and then freaked out in the middle of the deal and started tweaking things and it was going to end up very harmful for them. Probably shouldn't have said the name, but it's too late. Too bad. So, true story. So as she's walking with her husband, she would do this daily walk. And they're grieved because, they're, you know, it's going to go south. They lose all this money and it's not right. And God, 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 deal with it, deal with it, deal with it. You see it. You see the corruption. You see the lies. Lord, deal, deal. God, come. Lord, deal with this. And the Lord speaks to her in the midst of her walk and says, walk backwards. So here she is walking, walking, and she hears walk backwards. So she turns around. And she starts walking. She knew the road. They had walked it for 20 years, the same walk. So she starts walking backwards and she saw things walking backwards in the landscape she had never seen before. And as she's walking backwards, the Lord said to her, I want you to walk backwards in the deal. I want you to bless him as hard as you possibly can. You, you, you go ahead and give him the thing he wants. Turn around and, and increase this. Do this, do that. Do you know what? They did exactly what the Lord said. It's totally in business. It's just like crazy. They did it anyway. And you know what the Lord did? Bless them beyond anything they could have. I'm telling you. You know, you think the blessing would be like other zeros in your bank account? All their kids serve God. That's part of the blessing of God. How about that? How about the sickness and the infirmity that could have killed the husband? Didn't. He's still alive, still loving God. This is Pastor Shannon's parents. Oh, and God blessed their socks off so hard in other ways, and they released it, and the stress and the strife left their home. They walked backwards. Strategy of God. God says, let it go, because I've got other stuff for you. Just let that little thing go. You just let it go. They let that go, and here, take this. Whoosh. Listen, some of you got God on a box. Given a little box. That you, you only make this much and this much and you're in this fixed, this fixed, um, you know, this fixed idea in God. Um, at risk of offending someone, someone said, I don't think we should build the building because we need to use all that money to reach the lost. And I said to him, that's not what we're going to do. Because you're thinking inside of a box. Because God has a cattle on a thousand hills, so God can release the money for the building and for everything we need to reach the lost. And it's not either and, it's both, either or, it's both and. You got to get a bigger God. He said, well, I'm on this fixing. Believe. Come on, God can give you an idea. God can give you a dream. God can speak to you, giving you strategy to reach your parents, to bring healing in that broken relationship. I laid hands on, I laid hands on this lady. She's walking out. She has these migraines. I laid hands on her instantly. My wife would think this way. I don't think this way. I laid hands on her and I just heard allergies, food allergies. And I said, whoa. I prayed. I said, you know, have you ever thought that that's a food allergy? She said, you know, I, I heard that once before. I said, I think you should do like a little panel, figure it out. Wouldn't it be great? Don't have migraines anymore. 
Okay, you can get healed of the dairy or whatever, but the point is, is that God gives strategy. You getting something today? Don't just walk according to your own reason and your own logic. That's a painful life. You'll never walk in the supernatural unless you got a strategy from God. Well, I'd ask you to wave your hands and clap or something, but most of you are holding juice right about now. All right. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And in likewise manner, he took the cup and he blessed it. He said, this is my body and my blood, which is broken and shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So right now, before your throne, God, we remember that you were crucified and resurrected. We remember that by your stripes we're healed. And we position ourselves before you in repentance. God, forgive us. Come on, ask God to forgive you. Forgive us for wrong thoughts, attitudes, or motives. Forgive us, Lord, for where we grieved you prayerlessness perhaps, where we didn't listen to your voice and obey. Forgive us for where we rushed out into our own strategy and not the strategy of heaven. Oh God, forgive us. Wash us. Cleanse us. Make us new right now. If you're not right with God, this is the time. Get right with Him. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've not done that, won't you do it now? Pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. So we receive your forgiveness. We receive your healing. And we declare that you are coming back. Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Yes. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Once again, the crackling sound of breaking plastic cups began about 10 years ago. I have no scriptural theology for it other than to say the curse is broken. And uh, <laughs> people began doing that years ago. And on purpose, I don't break my cup. So if you don't want to break yours, we're together in that. And you want to break your cup, feel free. Curse is broken. Amen. Did you get something today? Okay, leaders meeting at five o'clock. You all know who you are. Six o'clock, we got church tonight. Friday, if you want to become a formal member, you got to go through this class. It's this Friday. We'd encourage you to be a part of that. Ladies, please be a part of that. That women's conference coming up. You got to register because it's going to close. And uh, also, if you have a youth, invest. Get them in that youth conference. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Come on, just lift your hands and bless you. Cause your face to shine upon us, oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight.